Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> Pretty good. It was a, It's a rare... It's been a while since we have like a truly uplifting Oilers game that qualified. It was yes. in a very exciting game. Very, very exciting game. They won it in overtime, 4-3 over the Washington Capitals. It's the second time they beat the Capitals, I guess, in the last month. And mm-hmm. um, the Oilers looked really good, Bruce. They had their best game in a long time. They just, they came out there determined after kind of a, a game against Calgary where they had very little going on in terms of getting grade A shots on net. They got 25 grade A shots on net to 14 for the Caps. And Edmonton had, of those uh, 25 grade A shots, 14 of them were five alarm shots, um, which which are, those are 33% chance plus of going in according to our, you know, both you and I look at them, we agree on that. And that, that's what we determined that they had 14 shots that uh, were of that highest quality and the Caps mm-hmm. just had four. So the Oilers really um, dominated in the slot. They came out there looking to shoot and shoot and shoot some more. And it really paid off. It was a great effort. Um, let's do our two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast, Bruce. Why don't you start it mm-hmm. off with your good thing? All right, I'm going to go with the foot soldiers on Edmonton's fourth line, who uh, came up, I thought, with a with a uh, pretty fine effort tonight. Uh, the fourth line consisted of um, uh, Colton Sevier was on one wing, uh, Zach Cassian on the other, and Brad Malone down the center. Yeah, and they each only played about eight minutes, uh, but. Malone and Cassian co-led the Oilers with five hits each. And you know what? Those hits led directly to two goals uh, that that line scored. The uh, uh, the, uh, well, the line was in on the second and third Edmonton goals. Uh, one time it was a, a hit by uh, Malone that caused a turnover at uh, just outside the blue line that led Edmonton to a counterattack. And... Uh, uh, Cody Cece got the puck from back into the zone and uh, they drove it to the net. Nothing too fancy. Malone fired an outside shot and Cece, of all people, went in and crashed the rebound, popped her into the net. Uh, and then in the third period, uh, Zach Cassian uh, went uh, behind the net. And again, there was a Washington defenseman trying to make a clearing f- pass and Cassian went and he hit, finished the check and the guy heard the footsteps, and he kind of just threw it around the boards. And I believe that was Evan Bouchard who kept the puck in that time. But it was a weak clearing pass because Cassian was bearing down on the guy, was how I saw it. And anyways, the, uh, again, the shot came in from uh, uh, outside. They had one chance on goal, and then Cassian made a really good play behind the net to uh, make a backhand pass out the short side that Brad Malone absolutely roofed from just one time, bam, top of the net. You would think he would be a, a Rocket Richard sniper burying that shot, and it was his first goal in the NHL since 2015. But, uh, boy, nice one to get. And for so long and so, so close, that looked like it was going to be the game winner, and that was going to be sort of the fairy tale ending of this game was Brad Malone. 
And, and one more thing about the fourth line. They had a shift in the uh, in the third period where uh, they did ice the puck and there was like three minutes on the clock and Washington pulled the goalie. Now they've got the six best Washington guys out against Edmonton's fourth line. And it's uh, knee in time. And not only did they hold their own and, and not, uh, you know, not get uh, in the unvirtuous cycle, sequence of pain type cycle but in fact they were able to control the puck and get it out of the zone and Zach Cassian I'm going to give him credit all the credit <laughs> possible for a very excellent play to dump the puck out of Edmonton's territory not ice it get it deep enough that they could change and get the you know the, the main troops on for the closing stretch of the game that's the fourth line doing its job and the goals are kind of well very nice bonus obviously but they had uh you know, shots on net were four to two when uh, uh, Cassian was on the ice. Pretty low event. And for, uh, uh, let's find Brad Malone. Yeah, same thing. Four to two shots and two of the shots happened to go in the net. Uh, but they worked hard for those chances. And when they got them, they actually buried them. And so that's the kind of fourth line performance you dream of plus two on the night. So shout out pretty to those rare. guys. Yeah. yeah, pretty rare for the Oilers, especially. And we've talked about this before, Bruce, how, how they've all year they've been looking for a big, tough fourth line forward. Maybe one who can even play center, which would be ideal. And all along, Brad Malone's been sitting there on the farm and he's 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 consistently looked OK. And a couple of games he's looked really good. And this was obviously one of them. So this is huge for the Oilers. They have with Nugent Hopkins and Pulley Arby, when those guys get healthy and if everyone mm-hmm. else is healthy, they've got lots of candidates and and Cassian you know as a fourth liner is a very highly paid fourth line player but if yeah. if he's effective if he can help this this team win this year um you know he he he's a big tough guy Malone's a big tough guy and then they have other options they'll have they'll have uh, Devin Shore conceivably uh, Ryan McLeod even might be bumped mm-hmm. down to the fourth line if you go with Nuge Fogel and Ryan as your third line so they're going to have a fourth line. It looks like here, Bruce, because Brad Malone is writing his own, writing his his, his great Cinderella story here, oh, Cinderella, and uh, coming through for the Oilers. So that that really is uh, spectacular. Bruce, my good thing is the Oilers' power play, and um, they got a power play goal. Just a gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous pass by Connor McDavid. You know, just a cross ice dart right through the crease, hitting Yamo right on the stick. And he made no mistake. He had his stick on the ice. He had it, I guess his foot was behind it, Louis mentioned, and Louis DeBrusque mentioned. And he just made no mistake on that. He just put it right in. And this, you know, that that kind of execution, you don't always see it at the even at the NHL level with players with their stick on the ice where it should be. And and he did that. But it was one of many great plays. You're saying they had six minutes of uh, power play time. Well, they had nine grade A shots, Bruce, and they had five five alarm shots. So you could see from the moment they took the ice that the power play was different. First of all, they had Evan Bouchard running it as opposed to Darnell Nurse. Darnell Nurse is, is, a, is, a, is a good player, but he is not a power play quarterback, all due respect. And Bouchard is. So um, he, he was healthy, and he immediately... Clearly, everybody on that power play had orders. When you have a shot, put it on net. And they didn't actually move away from this until late in the game. There was a, there was a later in the game they they kind of moved away from where a few guys had chances to shoot and they didn't. McDavid was one of them, and I think Kane was another. 
But on those early power plays, they just kept firing away every opportunity they had. They put it on net, put it on net, put it on net. And it just kept coming up well for them. Um, so in the in the first period, there was um, uh, McDavid gets the puck behind the net and he puts it out front to Dreisaitl, who was who almost, you know, the, the goalie was coming over from the other side because McDavid was wheeling around the net and, and Dreisaitl almost scored on that one. Fogel, I think, um, got a rebound shot that was right in the crease. Um, in the second period, Yamamoto set up Kane in the slot for a, just a really great, really great shot and chance. And then there's McDavid to Yamamoto for the goal. And then in the third period, there's, in some ways, maybe the best play. Dreisaitl made an absolutely gorgeous uh, pass over, through the crease to Kane, who who I don't know how he didn't score. And um, so it, the power play looked, it had looked terrible against mm-hmm. Calgary. It looked, against Ooh. Calgary, it looked like you could have given them 10 power plays and they were not going to score because they were just dilly-dallying around. There was nothing direct about the power play. And you need that. You need that direct play. Go take it. Like if the other team, this is what, if the other team is coming at you on the power play, if they're crowding you and not letting you set up, what you have to do is beat them and take it to the net. Or the second you have a shot, put it on net and go for the rebound. And that was clearly the plan tonight. And it, and it really worked well. Yeah, no sign of breakaways the other way or two-on-ones or jailbreaks. Oh, like that was three different times in the Calgary game. Oh, that game. And, uh, yeah, so they had uh, uh, they came out on a mission tonight. Very first power play, they won the face-off, and Evan Bouchard wires a shot through traffic like three seconds into the first power play, and he, clearly the message is get pucks on the frickin' net. So... And the other message, uh, the one our, our friend Murdoch Davis likes to bring up from time to time, GTTFN, go to the fracking net. And yeah. that's what Yamamoto did. And he did two fundamental things right there. He went to the net and he had his damn stick on the ice. And in fact, he had a skate behind the stick, which I'll watch for on the next time I see the replay. That's three good things because that's uh, that pass was a bullet and uh, he needed to, uh, you know, it was a good play to redirect it. And... Uh, but the main good play was go hard to the net the way he did. And I like the way he was jumping generally, and especially on the power play. I thought he looked like uh, he was uh, enjoying the chance to play with 97. He may have had his best game of the year, Bruce, Kyler Yamamoto. He was I flying up there. And he and I like that. You know, I, I took a look at the Oilers' lines, which lines had been working. And um, Yamamoto, Kane, and McDavid had only played together before this game about 55 minutes. But they were—they had scored three goals and given up none, um, which was this, about the same number as the Drysital Kane Yamamoto combination in double the time. Um, so they had had a higher, much higher rate of scoring, double the rate of scoring essentially, with no goals against. So it was, I think, a good strategic move to go back to that line, and um, and I, I, what I would like to see when Puliyarvi comes back is keep Hyman with drive settle and put Puliyarvi on that line because I think that could be a really heavy hockey line causing mm-hmm. a lot of trouble. So you have this incredible first line. I mean, Kane, Yamamoto, and McDavid, that's a very talented group of hockey players. Evander Kane's a fantastic hockey player and uh, Yamamoto can be. And uh, then you have this heavy line with real talent as well. And, you know, the one of the top five players in the league and two really good top six wingers playing heavy hockey. I'd like to see that um, tried out when uh, Yesa Pugliarvi gets back. 
All right, Bruce. Um, where are we now? I'm just trying to think. Bad thing. You, all right. What's your bad thing? My bad thing is referees, Chris Rooney and Trevor Hansen, for their absolutely atrocious handling down the stretch of the third period of this game. Uh, they had, some, you know, typical referee night, made some calls, missed some calls both ways. But the call that they missed on Alexander Ovechkin uh, with the last minute of the game, goalie pulled, <clears throat> Zach Hyman wins the puck and he's going to have a breakaway in the empty net. And, uh, Alex Ovechkin, like 6'3", 230 pounds of Alex Ovechkin, reaches in two hands on a stick, puts a full hook on him, spins him around. It just, David, that was the most obvious hook I've seen all season. And they're always calling this little ticky-tack stuff. One hand on the stick and you reach in and tap the other guy's stick between his hands and you don't touch their hands. That's that's hooking. And yet this play was a game-changing play. It is unacceptable. I was just absolutely incensed, and I know I wasn't alone because that was brutal. And NHL, wake the hell up! You got you guys are trying That's to sell your game crazy. to betting sites. You're trying yeah. to sell your game to betting sites. You got to sell an honest product. That wasn't it. That wasn't it. That was just uh, that was just unacceptably bad. Like, we're gonna manage was, the game. Well, we're gonna give Washington another chance. No, you don't. Make the damn call. It was embarrassing. Seriously, Seriously an embarrassing moment for those two officials. And I don't know oh, what they would say about that. That is so embarrassing for those two guys to and miss a call like that. Call. Sorry, and and it's like you say, Bruce, it's about game management. They're they're trying to manage the game. And because they're doing that, it doesn't pop on their head. Just just call the penalty when you see it. That's not how NHL refs think. They don't call all the penalties. And they're trying to manage the game and they think, oh, I'll let that one go. And that's kind of, but, and, th- th- and then they get caught on just something like that, which is so brazen. It's just laughable. Ovechkin's no. just, it's just, he, he's like giving up, right? He's just, okay, I'm going to hook him, whatever. It's mm-hmm. might as well yeah. because he's going to score. Yeah. So let's see if I can get away with it. And he must've been shocked as hell that he got away with it. I mean, usually they don't let, usually they don't let that kind of thing slide. I don't know why they did here. That was insane that they let that slide. Brutal. It's just not acceptable. Then on the same sequence, Washington comes back up uh, up the ice and they try and shoot it into Edmonton's zone. And Zach Hyman, who's standing in a direct line between the face-off dots, five feet outside of the attacking blue line, tips the puck there. And both refs somehow decide that he's tipped the puck from inside the zone. Off should be an Edmonton end. And the puck never got over Edmonton's blue line. Just unbelievable. Like you know, that was what Jay Woodcroft was upset about was the location of the face-off, but the missing on the hook, disgraceful. And in overtime, there was one where the Washington guy had the puck, and another Washington guy jumped over the boards and jumped back, and they didn't call too many men. But and that was problems, pretty quick. By that time, yeah, I, I, it was that was that was that very was kinda, That was pretty. Quick, like and, and they, but the Oilers as a team they got distracted. The crowd and the Oilers stood still for a second, and all of a sudden Washington has a good scored. chance and close. If they just scored there, can you imagine? If Washington scored on that play with the crowd calling for too many men after the team had already been screwed on the on the missed call earlier. I mean, <laughs> if I'm a team in the East that's trying to chase Washington, I'm pissed. I got a point out of that game. And the you well, know. no one, yeah, and the Oilers really needed. Like they're just desperate for points, oh. right? Like they're absolutely desperate. So they they needed these they needed the two points, 
And if they had lost it on, it's, it just shows how fine it's getting for the Oilers this season. Like they just, they, they really are, they're really cutting it close here, Bruce. What about that hit on Brobury? Do you think that was a penalty? Like where he got slammed into the boards? I actually thought it probably wasn't. He's going to be a hell of a hockey player, Bruce, if he survives. Like, that's all I'm going to say about Philip Broberg, Brobury, as we call him. Uh, he as needs the to change his number. 86 apparently is code for come and hit me in the numbers because that seems to happen to him. But he got, you know, he was slightly left himself uh, exposed, I guess. But it was, he a, did. It, was a hard, it was a very hard play, let's put it yeah. that way. He's going to have to, this is where Duncan Keith can maybe give him some advice on keeping his head up and just dodging those, dodging those, or yeah. Sure would sandwich. Taste this. Yeah, taste that. <laughs> just do it a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Go full, full Borea Salming and, <laughs> and start taking out guys. He's getting hammered a lot. Bruce, yeah. he's a hell of a hockey player. And uh, you, you pointed out he, he, a number of times, at least twice, I saw him make great plays in the neutral zone where he moved up and took the puck away. He's just so fast and smart. He's able to do that because his skating is exceptional and he's big, long reach. He's long, yeah. Yeah, he's long, man. He's a good, he's good. I don't see him going down. Like, you know, I've, it's possible if he, okay, he's a rookie defenseman. He could go on a slump and he could go down, but he's, he's really playing well. And, um, you know, Nima Linen's physical presence is, is outstanding and it's kind of electrifying to the team when, when he throws those hits, but he's not nearly the hockey player that Brobury is. And, um, this guy can really play hockey. It's, uh, you know, we both have defended this pick over the years and I'll continue to do so. I think he's going to, he's a top four defenseman in the NHL. He's going to be that, I believe from what I've seeing of his tra- trajectory of his career. Well, he's played uh, top four in these last three games, or last two games at least. And, and what did he, he play? Minutes? 18 tonight. yeah. So he was number yeah. four, I think, of the of the six D-men tonight. But, uh, yeah, so, he was regular uh, shift with Keith, and that's maybe a nice partnership for the kid. He should learn off of that guy. It could you work know, for of both that. of them. Yeah. It could work for both of them. Bruce, my bad thing was Miko Koskinen, oh. and he wasn't horrible. Um, he so fourteen grade A shots against three goals. That's not horrible. That's about what you'd expect. But each of the goals, and especially the second goal, I would have liked a, li- a little better. And honestly, so you and I had a big disagreement on the first goal, oh. and I and we couldn't agree. So I did a, a poll on Twitter well done. and it, it turned out to be 52% to 48%, wow. uh, 52% in your favor. So sure. we've marked it the way. Cause so I, th- I, I saw, this was the play where Bouchard makes this, you know, he tries to bat down the puck and it ends up falling right to Backstrom onto his stick at kind of on the edge of the slot. And he just immediately sends it at net and puts it in. And, and I think that you're right that this, this probably was a grade a shot, mm-hmm. but it was, <laughs> It was not a hard shot, and all the, what what got me about it is Koskinen lifts his pad, and I have if if anyone can explain to me on earth why he lifted his pad at that moment, he's 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 in position, he's got it. He, he all he has to do is keep facing the puck pads on the ice, and he makes that save every single time. It's fundamental hockey, and he lifts his pad for no. He seems to be going into it's it's the puck maybe is going into the corner. He's going to get into that weird position that he and Mike Smith take when they constantly get beat on BS goals. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And this was another one in my mind. He lifts his pad and he gives up the goal. He, he doesn't have to do that. He's doing it because that's their training. This is a, this is a feature. It's not a bug, but it's a feature that's it's burning them repeatedly. No bugging reason on <laughs> bugging me. Why did he lift his pad? That's I have no idea. And he did, and he let it. It was a change. It was a change. Right it Bruce, it went right through him, and yeah. he just had to keep his pad on the ice. Yeah, it was a very strange play, David. A couple of things happened there that were weird. The, the pass was kind of lobbed across. First of all, Bouchard tries to take it out of the air in front of his own net, and he sort of knocks it down. And the funky thing that happened was the puck popped up, and it kind of went into Bouchard's pant leg, and then it dropped out of his pant leg right away. But it got kind of hooked up, and it just sort of dropped right there in the slot. And neither Bouchard nor Koskinen were expecting it to be there. And and Backstrom, to his credit, he saw the puck and he just kind of spun and he wrapped it toward the net. It was just a very sudden, out of nowhere, puck's That's going in the corner. Awkward. No, it's a shot from the slot. And and Koskinen reacted to it. And because it was slow, I think he he overreacted. Anyway, it's you can blame the goalie the, for letting it in, but I, yeah. I, I I'll I'll say that's a grade A shot all day long. To me, it's the a pad line, was up in the air. I think. Shot. Yeah, the pad oh. was up in the air before the shot. I, anyway, it, so the, the fans voted with you, fifty-two percent to forty-eight okay. percent. You're right. Well, that's score <laughs> score score a minor win for us old goalies on that one. I've got a lot of sympathy for the goalie on that particular goal. Not much on the second goal, but first one. Yeah. So the second goal, Oshi comes in, and this is a good shot. Like it's a good hard shot, but it's from a grade B scoring chance position, and these these shots. So, you know, they look, they often look good because the winger's coming down in the, the wing and he lets off a big shot. And, but they only go in about 10 to 15% of the time. And this one somehow beat Koskinen and it shouldn't, it shouldn't have. He, he needed to make this save and he didn't. It was a good shot. Yeah. It was a good shot. It, he, it was he seemed side. to, yeah. He seemed to pick the spot just above the pad and below the glove and nice shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice shot. But goalies almost always in the NHL. In the NHL, you need to make that save. NHL mm-hmm. goals make it, and he, yeah. he failed to do so. So there's their, the first two goals are like that. Now the third goal was a was I think it was further out. It was further out than the other two shots, but mm-hmm. it was it was a pass coming in from the boards, and it was wired right off the post. Um, a one timer shot. One timer shots, as we've seen from Leon Dreisaitl, can be from the freaking corner, oh, and be grade A shots. You know, because if, if they're wired, if you yeah. just hit it, if you hit it and you smoke that puck. So I, the the last goal, I'll give Koskinen a pass. That was a really, that was a brilliant shot. Absolutely brilliant shot. It was, it was from far enough out that you'd hope that your goalie can make that save. Um, and, and he's down on the ice, you know, he's down maybe if he's up, but whatever. It was still a hell of a shot. So, uh, one, but I, one overall, timer. From right in between the circles and an absolute rocket. He got all well, of it. Was a, it was kind of above. <laughs> about Just five a feet little, above. yeah. Well, it was between, but directly in sure. the center of the ice. Yeah. That the goalie's got no angle that he can play on it. Yeah. Well, that's where I thought he should have stopped the first Oshie shot because it came from an angle and he got beat short side. This one was from the middle. It was a one-timer and it either hits the goalie or it doesn't. He's got no time to move on that rocket. So, in contrast to Koskinen with Samsonov, who mm-hmm. was just unreal. Like that was that was one of the best goalie performances we've seen all year from an opposing goalie. And uh, although he did let in four goals in the end, but I mean, wow, that was quite a performance from him. I mean, the Oilers could have easily been up two or three nothing in the first period, 
and deserve to be. And um, so um, there's a little bit of contrast there. Koskinen wasn't terrible. He was okay-ish. And he played well enough for the Oilers to get two points. So I'll, I'll give him all that. Made a nice save when the Oilers, uh, you know, were in overtime when they were looking at the guy who got on the ice, jumped on the ice and then jumped off the ice. And there was a pass down low. He made a great save on a backhand shot. Um, so good for Koskinen. In the end, he he got the team the win, but it was kind of iffy along the way on, uh, I would say, two of the goals. And definitely, I think we could all agree, one of the goals. So. Yeah, well, he also made a great save, Costin, in the first period. And I think we had grade A chances as 10 to 1 for Edmonton in the first period. And Samsonov was Uh fantastic. But the one chance that Washington got was Alex Ovechkin eyeball to eyeball with the goalie. And he didn't miss. And Costin, if Oilers come out of that period losing 1 0, then you'd really be wondering what, you know, what's it going to take. And so. He didn't have, obviously, the workload of Samsonov, but he came up with a ginormous save off of, uh, off of Ovi. So, he sure did. That was that was fantastic. And he, and he made other nice saves, too. Like, you know, so um, if I was grading him, I'd probably give him a four, maybe a five even. I'd have to think about it. All right. Uh, yeah, I'd give him probably oh. a four, maybe a five. No way you give your goalie a fail on a winning game. I give, I give him a six. I don't give him a big grade, but uh, he made some big stops. And, you know, one bad goal, you know, anyway. Koskinen, just, we're going to get into our numbers in a minute, so this doesn't count. This is Koskinen's goals against in his last 12 games uh, in regulation. Goals against three, two, 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 three, two, three, three, zero, three, three, three. So three or less, 12 games in a row. Nickel Koskinen. That's giving your team a chance to win, and they've they've taken away points from all those games but one. So let me just see his uh his splits here. One uh, of those he came in re- in relief in the first period against Minnesota into a lost cause, but uh, uh, he's you know he's not getting stopped for four or five or six like Smith gives in four goals just about every time he plays, and that fourth goal is almost. You, know, you don't you don't win when you give up four goals in regulation. This is just really quick, but um, since the All Star break, he's played s- six games. This is from Hockey Reference, and this doesn't include tonight, right? I, I don't think so. Six games. Uh, well, he's played seven games, right? Count and he's got uh, four wins, and he's got a like the in the first six games, he has a nine nineteen save percentage after having a nine hundred uh, save percentage in the first part of the year. So he's coming on. And boy, do they ever need him to come on because <laughs> you can't count on Mike Smith. It's interesting, Bruce. The last time we talked, uh, my internet went down. And I, I want to thank Kurt for filling in uh, on for me on Monday night. But the last time we talked, it was, I think it was Smith's uh, horrible game. And uh, we were Monday predicting night. what might happen. And we didn't, he, he sounds like he got sick, but you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't think they can. I don't know if they're going to go back to him. I just think that's insane, honestly. So we'll see what happens. Like you, you got to give Skinner the next couple games and see if he can play, keep going to Koskinen and go to Skinner and see what happens there. Like there's, there's, there's serious concerns, I guess, you know, and Bob Stoffer has made this point on orders now a number of times that there's just not a goalie available out there. Right. We've heard a rumor that Flurry won't waive his 
no movement clause to come here. And now we've heard that Semyon Varlamov, really good goaltender on the island, won't mm-hmm. do that. So um, the orders might be in tough in the in the goaltending department. They might be relying on. My, I, I think that's even more reason personally to send Mike Smith to the minors to see if he can get his game together for the playoffs. See if he can go down there for a month and play some decent hockey. And if he can bring him back then, because the, if they can't trade for a goalie, they really can't. Mm-hmm. If they really can't, yep. well, they might need Mike Smith in the playoffs because I don't know if Koskinen or Skinner is going to get it done. So, well, I bet on them before I bet on Mike Smith at this point in time. I mean, he yeah. since since he came back, they keep giving him the net, and he keeps going out and giving in four or five goals, and the orders lose. Can't do it. You can't do I mean, that again. One of the reasons they're in the position they're in is they keep trying to get Schmidty going, and he's three, eight, and one in his last twelve starts. Yeah. They can't no. do that, Bruce. I don't think again. Like they, sh- they, they should not do that. They should think of something else before they do that. But we'll see what happens. All right, uh, I'll, we'll start off with our our numbers. Um, I just I just want to. I got two quick numbers. The first number is there's at, at even strength some of the the defense. There was some pretty strong defending by the Oilers defenders this game. And four of them kept a clean sheet, which means they didn't make one major mistake on a grade A shot against at even strength uh, for the orders. And that that was uh, Cody Ceci, William Lagosin, Duncan Keith, and Philip Robury. So um, Bouchard made three of them and, and Darnell Nurse made two. So to have four defensemen um, that effective at even strength is pretty good. That's, that's a pretty good sign. And... Um, you know, Duncan Keith had his struggles at even strength. I thought he had a good game tonight. And uh, Cody Ceci was was really strong tonight. Um, scored the nice goal. So they're, they're, they seem to be coming around, at least in this game they did. They're not really, you know, they're having their ups and downs, but they had a good game tonight. My number, Bruce, is zero. It's the number of points that Leon Dreisaitl had. And it's amazing that he had zero points because he was in on 10 grade A scoring chances, scoring grade A shots. 10 grade A shots he made a major contribution to. And a lot of those were five alarm chances. Off his stick. Uh, yeah. Uh, he 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 was dangerous all night long. And on the winning goal, he's the one who lifted the stick of the uh, Capitals player in the uh, defensive zone, lifted the stick to free up McDavid to get the puck. And McDavid then goes end to end as Leon's, you know, the on the two on one, he's the shooting option that never gets the pass. McDavid puts it in himself because they got the shoot, shoot, shoot mentality, I guess, which paid off right to the end. Um, oh. But so Leon, he did everything to help orchestrate that goal except touch the puck. And you don't get an assist in the NHL for that. But he he was he was uh, offensive dynamo in that hockey game. Yeah, well, he yeah he was a dynamo in that game. Thought pretty solid two ways. I mean, could flesh out the numbers of it. Twenty-eight minutes and twenty seconds for Leon, four forty-two on the power play. That's one second short of the team lead. He must have from the first guy on the bench one time. Three thirty-one penalty killing, number one on the team among forwards. Twenty oh seven at even strength, also number one on the team among forwards. Well, that's a guy that's a workhorse. And uh, five shots, ten shot attempts. And uh, sky high, 15 out of 28 on the face-off circle, 54%. Well, that's a guy that's doing a lot of, a lot of heavy lifting for your team, and he wasn't rewarded with the point. 
And if you look at the stat sheet, you'll say, oh, no goals, no assists, even plus minus. Just another night at the office. And, you know, not too different from his stat line on Monday night in Calgary when he was when he had an admittedly very difficult game. And I personally thought he may well have been sick, one of the sick players on that night because uh, he was, uh, uh, he just didn't have much oomph. Well, tonight he brought the oomph and he brought a lot more. And it's hard. If anybody's complaining about Leon Drysaddle after that game, uh, I suggest you uh, sit down and watch it again. <laughs> Do people complain a lot about him? I mean, I'm not on oh, Twitter yeah. during, I don't go he, on Twitter during the games. Or... He's a lightning rod. Okay, really? He looks guilty. He looks guilty. You know, he hangs his shoulders. He's got the big M comp. The bad complex, body but language. If he doesn't score two or three goals, he, he looks bad somehow. I didn't think he looked too bad. Man, that one power move he made where he cut into the inside on his backhand from the left wing, and he went to his backhand, and he shot, got it up oh, on his own off and hit the crossbar. Oh, beautiful. Just let me have a look here at the standings right now and take a quick look. Did you give you, is that, was that your number? Those dry nope, settle numbers? No, nope, okay. I'm just filling in on what, your number. What is, okay, what My is number your, is 2,288. That's the number of days since Brad Malone last scored an NHL goal. On 2015, December the 3rd, uh, when he was with Carolina Hurricanes, uh, he scored a goal assisted by Jay McClement. And it's almost the same number of days, just a, 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 about 100 or so less, that he last got a point. His last assist was that same season, February 28th of 2016, like over six years ago. A goal by Ron Hainsey, assisted by Jeff Skinner and Brad Malone. And that was <laughs> last time he found an NHL score sheet uh, when he was well, six years younger than the 32 years of age that he is now. And, and he's just writing a real nice story. So it's uh, it's uh, shout out to him for uh, uh, not just uh, uh, coming out and you know playing, but actually contributing to a win in a very big way. There's a goal, assist, two points, plus two, three shots, five hits, and a, and a minute on the penalty kill. That's a lot in ten minutes of work. So the Oilers, Bruce, are two points out of both third place in their division and. Th- and two points out of uh, the wild card. Well, they're just one point out of a wild card spot. They're one one point behind Dallas. Both Dallas and Nashville have two games in hand on Edmonton. Um, so they're right in the thick of it. But they absolutely needed that win. Like, geez, they just you, you just it was so frustrating last week with those uh, losses to inferior teams. Mm-hmm. So um, they needed this one, and they got it. It was a huge win, and and they they came out. That was a big win for this team. I have a feeling. I, you know, you don't want to like. I can't tell the future better than any. You know, any more than anybody else. Um, they've essentially been trading chances in the last 10, 10 games, like giving up about the same as they've gotten, and they've been beaten on goaltending, generally speaking, in special teams. Tonight they dominated a good team. They 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 brought a brand of hockey, which I think the Edmonton Oilers can play. Like this this can be their hockey. It's not, you're not going to out hit the other team. You're not going to shut them down completely from getting chances, but you're going to go for it. You're going to drive the net. You're going to get as many shots as you can. You're going to pepper them with shots and you're going to go hard to the net and your skill will come out in those moments. It, it, it will, it will dominate the game on the attack. That's their game. And I think they can replicate this game. 
just t- it takes a lot of energy. It's a fun game to play though. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, it's not being too clever with the puck or um, moving the puck around the outside. It's a very direct hockey game that they need to play. And I think that, I think this is it, you know, this could be their, this could be their style of play. And um, any thoughts? Yeah. Uh, this was, <laughs> it was a huge win. They had to, you know, they had a three game losing streak and, and, that's at least one game too long. Like they've had their long losing streaks for the season, six and seven games that they had in uh, yeah. December and January. And at this point, they're t- too close to the, you know, last week they had an overtime point in Chicago, <coughs> nothing at all in, against Montreal, nothing in Calgary. And you look up and you see LA winning a couple games on the road. And you look and see, you know, Dallas and Nashville and Vancouver, even all winning games and putting up points and, all of a sudden you're four points down and it takes more than a week to make up four points, even if you're winning. So you better start winning. And now they've got to make some hay. They got a, they got a five game homestand. They got a big, huge test on Saturday against the Stanley cup champions, uh, um, Tampa Bay lightning. Uh, and then they have three games against what you would think would be beatable teams, uh, against Detroit, Buffalo and New Jersey. I'm not sure of the order. That's the that's uh, the order. Sounds beatable, right? But they lost yeah. all three of those teams on the road earlier this mm-hmm. year. They only they got one point out of New Jersey, and they lost to Detroit and Buffalo on the same trip. And uh, so they, uh, uh, you know, they have to bear down and make this count. But the biggest thing is they actually got two days off after this game. They have two days off now, David, and they don't have to travel. Believe it or not, this is the first time in at, since Jay Woodcroft became coach a month ago tomorrow that the team has played a game that they didn't have to travel to their next game 13 they, in a row they get two days off after the tampa yes. game as well so yeah. it's a nice little it's a nice little moment here to to, to get charged up and mm-hmm. uh get going again bruce they just got to put some wins together obviously and um so we'll the league is did throw in one bone though, David. They got two straight home games, but they started an hour early tonight at six o'clock, and they start an hour late on Saturday night at eight o'clock. So they can feel like they're jet lagged, even though they're not going anywhere. <laughs> this is you maybe know, a curmudgeon now. But one uh, other good thing, Bruce, is and this might not fashion grumbling ever hurt anyone. The orders can have a full house, Bruce, mm-hmm. and people can go there and scream their faces off without a mask. Like this is back to, for now it's back to normal. And uh, the, the COVID rules have been, the restrictions have been lifted in, in Edmonton and, and in Alberta for now. Mm-hmm. We'll see, see how things unfold in the future. Um, but just having that kind of energy could be like on this homestand, that could be a, a difference maker, you know, if they can build on that and, and they get that place rocking. Cause it's, cause I think fans here are ready to rock. They're ready to make some noise as the uh, billboard tells us to do when we're at the, as the score clock tells, tells us to do when we're there. But uh, um, I, I think that there could be, like, people could start to have, that must have been a, a fun game to attend. Oh. And, and people must have been going crazy in that game. And it's great. Like, this is this is the fun of hockey. And it's been a long time since we've had fun. There's been so much angst with the Oilers and, Poor performances, trepidation. There hasn't been many big wins like this. And this this one came before a full house, no no restrictions. Everyone's having fun. Everyone's in party mode. So that can make a little bit of a difference too. 
16,368. So about 2,000 shy of a complete sellout, but that's pretty good for a, for a, um, a midweek game. And we'll see. It's Saturday night against Tampa. If that game's not sold out, I'll be surprised. Uh, that that could be a rocking affair. Fans have been, it's been a funny season because in the last couple of months, people have been really like, you, you hear, you read things like, I don't, I'm tired of watching the orders. I don't want to watch him anymore. Like I'm done for this season. It's like, Hey, they're in the middle of the playoff race here. Right? And that's what, but I get it. Cause they've been just so horrible. Trust, the last so much I've been feeling it. It's just hard to like get up to watch the games and get excited about it. And then, you know, they always get behind one or two, nothing. And it's just brutal, which happened again tonight. Which is probably a big part of my fit of peak over that Koskinen goal. Like, frack, how could that mm-hmm. that that first Washington goal? Like, how can that go in? <sighs> anyway, well, it's an old goalie. I was mad at defenseman. It would have been interesting to see if Mike Smith had been in the net, how he would have reacted, whether he would have given the evil stare of at uh, Evan Bouchard for the play that he made. The eye of Sauron. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hide from it. Yeah, All right. Nico at least is very mild mannered and he, he, he sure owns is. stuff himself and he doesn't seem to put it on teammates. And I think he's pretty popular uh, among his mates for that very reason. I like both of these goalies a lot. Like, his, you know, like Koskinen seems like a total gentleman mm-hmm. and, very, and it just, and very, and just very gentle, like a gentle person, right? Like a mm-hmm. nice person. Yep. And Smith is this fiery leader, like this pirate pretending to be a hot, you know, dressed, you know, dressed up as a goalie and, uh, swashbuckling and that, and I, they're just fantastic. Uh, they seem like fantastic individuals and I don't mind Smith getting mad at his teammates. I think that was totally overblown and it, it I'm sure it happens all the time and this just happened to get reported. So I, I'm, I'm, I just think that was, you know, as you know, fake news, like it's just, uh-huh. I, I watch think. enough soccer that yeah. I, I'm used to got teammates giving it to each other when somebody screws up and the other guy gets them, stares them down or yeah, them true. out or whatever. And it can be the goalie, it can be, you know, two defenders or anything. And it's just, uh, in hockey, it's not part of the code, so you're not supposed to do it. Yeah, it's still well, a pretty passionate game. It gets, pretty it, passionate it gets tonight. Done. You would was, uh, things got pretty loud in the McCurdy living room there when uh, <laughs> that penalty didn't get called. And then when Washington tied it up with like one second on the clock, I mean, it's like, oh, right. how can this be possible? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Anyway, I may have said a few bad words about Mr. Chris Rooney and Trevor Hansen, just in case I didn't make their names clear earlier. Not good right. enough, man. They're probably feeling not too good about it either. Bruce. Probably, yeah, no, that's probably true. That's probably true. They may that's... just feel like terrible about it too, in their secret. You know, you never like refs always are. They're always so like during a game, they're so abrasive and they're like you know, but they they almost have to be because it's a tough position. You got to stand up for yourself as a ref. You can't be a pushover. So you know, on the ice, they may appear like they're full of themselves and I didn't make a mistake, but maybe afterwards they think, oh geez, what happened there. Then they get the call from the NHL. What happened there? All right, Bruce. Thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.